Hey, good afternoon, good morning, good night, Life Church. My name is Alex Rahill, and I get to uh, share God's word here uh, once in a while. Life Church uh, Livonia is my home church, and I'm so glad to be with you uh, today online. Uh, I have confidence that God has a word for you. God wants to meet you and me in this passage we're looking at today. We're in the book of Jonah in a series called Lost Cause. And the book of Jonah is about God's compassion for people. In fact, let me let me just say this. Today we're talking about the belly of the beast because Jonah is in the belly of the whale. And um, uh, But I, I think it's really important to clarify what the book of Jonah is about because everybody thinks about the whale and they miss the point of the book. And the book is really teaching us about God's character. The book isn't a story about uh, a great whale, or a great fish, actually. It doesn't say a whale. It's about a great God who loves us and who gives us second chances and who has compassion on people. And uh, But many people get caught up in the whale and uh, they miss the main point and the, the core truth God has for each of our lives from this book. It reminds me about a young girl and uh, she was sharing her, her uh, with her friends about just uh, her faith and um, her teacher came up to her and said, well, you don't, you don't believe about the story about the whale, uh, a whale swallowing uh, a man, Jonah. And, and she said, well, it's a fish, but uh, yeah, I, I believe that. I believe you know, God does miracles. Jesus rose from the dead. Uh, I, I, believe, I believe that. And he said, you know, a whale is a big animal, but it has a small uh, throat. And so it can never swallow a whale. And uh, or swallow man and and uh, the little girl said well how can this be because Jonah got swallowed by a great fish and uh, the, the teacher said well that's not even a true story and she said well when I go to heaven I'm going to ask him and the teacher said well what if Jonah's not in heaven and she said well then you can ask him <laughs> yes that's true <laughs> and uh uh anyway it's just we spend people spend so much time about the uh different uh, science, biology of, of, of the fish. And, and the truth is this, um, I'm going to just give you permission to feel however you feel about the whale. I believe that actually uh, God creating an animal that could hold a human being in it, a man, for three days is uh, uh, a miracle. But I believe actually, if I were to say what are the top 10 miracles in the Bible, it's not even in the top 10. Okay, so yeah, I believe uh, this is true, but um, you don't have to, to receive uh, what God has for you today. So just let that go. Don't trip over the fish and miss the message. And here's the real message. God gives second chances to Jonah and to you and to the Ninevites and to me to be who he created you to be and to do what he created you to do. God's compassionate and he wants all people to have a relationship with him. So he sends Jonah to go preach a message to the Ninevites. And the Ninevites, as Alex shared last week, I'm not going to repeat it all. You can go back, listen to last week's message. It was great. The Ninevites were one of the most horrific people groups on earth. They bragged about all the evil things they did to people and little children and everything else. And yet God said, they don't know me. They don't understand who I am and the life they could have. And I want, but, and I want you to preach this message and then let me judge them, uh, and what God is trying to do with Jonah and with us is God wants us to have his heart 
for people who don't yet know him. And that's what he's trying to cultivate in Jonah. So we learned last week, Jonah says, there's no way I'm, I'm going to preach to those people because I know how you are, God. You're compassionate and you're gracious and you're kind. And, and I know what you're going to do. You're sending me there because you're, you're, you want to give them a chance. You want to um, um, save them and, uh, and have mercy on them. I'm not going. And so Jonah's running the other way. And of course, all of us are either heading to Nineveh or heading to Tarshish. We're either going with God or we're going, we're running away from God. And um, Jonah's running away. So he gets on a boat to go the other way. God sends a storm. And the sailors in the boat panic. And they don't know what to do. And Jonah says, I know what you need to do. You need to throw me over. And God appointed a fish to swallow him. And Jonah's in the belly of the beast three days and three nights. And you say, well, why is God doing this? Why is God doing this? And I'm going to show you in a minute. But God hasn't got Jonah's attention yet. God is, wants to do a work in Jonah's heart. And this, listen to me, this is not meanness. This is mercy. Okay? This is what we need to understand in this first section here. This is not God paying Jonah back for his sins. This is God bringing Jonah back from his sins. This is God's mercy and grace on Jonah. And so Jonah's story... It's a story all of us can relate to because all of us end up in a dark place, as we will see today, and Jonah ends up in the belly of a beast. And, and however you think about it, it's the darkest place as far as you can get from God or anyone else or hope. And so here's my question for you as we get into the, the word today. Are you in a dark place? Do you feel like there's no hope? Maybe is there something God has called you to do that you've refused to do? And are you running from God's will for your life? Do you, do you know what, that God wants you to be about some things and you're not obeying Him? One thing we know He wants is that He wants us to go in all the world and share the good news of the gospel. What is that? Whatever that means, inviting people into a relationship with God is part of what He wants us to be doing. Are you doing that? Because God's trying to get Jonah's attention. God's trying to get our attention. Because God is going to discipline Jonah. Not to pay him back, but to bring him back because he loves him. And I want to just say this. Biblical discipline is correction driven by love. The goal of biblical discipline, God's discipline, is to produce good things and good transformation in his people. And we see this throughout the Bible. The message of God disciplining His children to bring about good and disciplining us to bring good in and through our lives is throughout Scripture. There's a very clear verse I'd encourage you to read this whole passage. It's in Hebrews 12. And it goes from verse 5 down to 13. But I'm going to only read the first portion. It says, And have you completely forgotten, look at this, I would circle this, the word of encouragement. This is a word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son, his child. Okay? And and this word says, My son, my daughter, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son or daughter. Have you ever had discipline, someone discipline you, someone correct you, and it produced something good in your life? Um, I used to be much more uh, free with my words. I used to swear quite a bit, and I had someone say to me, um, 
you know, your language, you're, you're, you're quite intelligent, but every time you use language like that, it, uh, it makes me diminish what you're saying. <laughs> wasn't a believer. And I was like, oh, okay. And I'm telling you this today because I never forgot that. And I thought, you know what? Uh, I need to think about the words I use and how I use them. And that, that correction, that disciplining from that older person uh, helped shape my life for good. Has, have you experienced discipline? Maybe you're experiencing it right now. God disciplines his children not to pay us back, but to bring us back because he loves us. So we're going to learn. And actually, we're going to learn from one of this book. I used to hate this book. And, and now actually it's one of my favorites because I thought Jonah's so stubborn. He is so, he doesn't listen. And he's, uh, and, and now I appreciate him more because he's one of the most stubborn servants in the Bible. And even though you think, well, he's just going to make these big changes, he doesn't. He, he, he changes, he's, he, he keeps growing, and yet he's still very flawed, as you'll see over the next couple of weeks. But we're going to see and learn from how God disciplines Jonah. So I want to say this, we're going to look at Jonah's journey back to God, which is the word repentance, okay? We've talked about this, it's turning around, it's turning from going our way to turning back to going God's way. Jonah's journey back to God, and it starts with a distress call. And I use that very intentionally because it's specifically, those words are specifically in the text. Now, Jonah's been in the belly three days and three nights, quite a time out. Some people think he's unconscious. Uh, other people think he's stubborn. Like he doesn't speak for three days and three nights. I, I'm on team stubborn. I think he's just mad. And he's in this belly of this fish. And, and it says, then he prayed. So he's been in this gastric stew um, for uh, three days and three nights and you got to wonder what those digestive juices are just doing to this guy's skin uh, when he goes comes out and starts his mission I think his message is going to be incarnational and embodied in a way that nobody would have anticipated because he's going to look like death warmed over literally <laughs> but and this is serious, so let's get back to this. But from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord. And I love this. His God. Even, even though he's mad, even though he's messed up, it's still, the Lord is his God still. And he said, in my distress, I called, distress call, to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. We're going to come back to those two verses in a minute. Because Jonah's about to describe everything that's going on now in his life. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled about me. Now, I want to give you just a little fun little fact. And uh, I'd encourage you to look some of these up. Uh, Jonah is actually going to quote no fewer than six of the Psalms in this prayer. These are not just his words. He's actually uh, praying scripture back to God. So there's at least six Psalms, and I think it's more like 10, because if you, if you look at them and cross-reference them, there's 10, he's combining all this scripture he knows in his prayer to God. And this is all from scripture. He says, all your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters, remember he's in a storm, or he's been in a storm, and now he's in a fish. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. 
To the roots of the mountains I sank. He's going, there's no lower place I can go than where I am. There's nowhere else on earth I can go any deeper or darker. There's no pit lower than where I am. The earth beneath me now, look at what he said, barred me in forever. So he's like, I'm in the deepest, darkest, worst pit on the planet. I'm in a place of hopelessness and I'm barred in. I can't get out of here. And so Jonah makes this distress call from a place of hopelessness. And one of the things he's realizing here is how empty his life is without God. He's, he's now been stripped of everything and he's looking at his life. He's had days to reflect, weeks really, for, uh, during his run maybe. And he's realizing, my life is empty. My life is broken. Uh, I am I'm, I'm hopeless and I don't know what to do. I, I don't know what to do. And... Um, I'd say this, he's so stubborn. Are you stubborn? I'm, I'm stubborn, I, I will confess. I, and there can be good things about that. Uh, well, having a strong will can be good. <laughs> being stubborn usually means unteachable and, uh, not, and being immovable at times when you should be moving. But many of us are like Jonah, aren't we? And we won't turn to God until life comes apart. And his life is coming apart. And maybe for you right now, you're in a deep, dark place and your life is coming apart. A bad health report. Maybe you got a bad health report and you found out something you didn't want to know. I just spoke with someone this week who got a terminal health report and it, and out of nowhere and, it, and it's rocked their world. Uh, an accident, maybe a, an, an accident happens and suddenly your life comes apart or an addiction is just takes over and and, and, and it's like, I can't, I can't handle this. Um, my life's falling apart. A broken marriage, uh, suddenly everything you thought about for your future is gone and, and um, you're in this place of desolation. A catastrophic incident. We've all seen it. We've been there. You, bad things are going to happen. Hard things are going to happen. Dark times are going to come. And I've heard people criticize other people when they make decisions for God at times like this. They say, well, yeah, you know, you're just... Uh, you're crushed, you're overwhelmed, you're using faith as a crutch, and um, you're, you're just crying out. It's just a 911 religion, and as soon as your life gets back to normal, you're not going to follow God. And a lot of times I agree with people that. I think some people, they just the only time they pray or seek God is when things are bad, and then it's forget it. Every, you know, I'm, I'm not thinking about it. However, I believe there are a lot of times that people's lives fall apart in situations like this, And they simply see with clarity, maybe for the first time, the scales come off their eyes, how hopeless life is apart from God. And uh, they realize they built their whole life on something that isn't going to sustain them, that's that's empty, that's not worth all the effort and energy they put in. And then in that moment, they wake up like out of a dream. Are you there? Are you there today? Maybe you're in a dark place and you're waking up to going, I built my life on all this stuff that is actually uh, not worth it. It's empty. It's meaningless. And that's what, um, that's what Jonah is starting to realize. For some of us, though, it's not that uh, extreme or not that dramatic. Maybe for you, it's a general deadness. You're like, my life is dull and I feel unhappy and I have very little joy in my life. And I see this is becoming more and more common uh, with people. And so maybe you're just giving yourself over to these mind-numbing activities like you just watch too much TV or Netflix, not because there's something interesting or educational, or, but you're just, it's, it's just escape. Um, or 
You're spending hours, endless hours on the internet or on your phone, just scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. It's an addiction. You're just getting that little pop of dopamine or something, just hoping you're to see something interesting. And, and what is it called? Doom scrolling, I think. I, I don't know. My daughter would know, but uh, something like that. Because it just makes, you keep doing it. You keep hoping for something, but you just keep going down darker. Uh, maybe it's pornography. A lot of people just, they go escape into that because their life is so empty. Their relationships are so shallow and, and they just get lost in this uh, uh, fantasy. Or maybe it's just the pleasure of too much of food or alcohol and you're just trying to uh, find some way to medicate yourself because you don't have any joy in your life and you're trying to take a, a joy substitute. And this happens to people all the time. Or maybe your temptations are overwhelming you. Um, maybe you're eating up with envy because you see what other people have and you're wondering why you don't have those things. And you wonder, God, did you get the wrong address? Uh, what about me? And these things are all smoke from a fire. And that fire is what's burning deep inside that something essential is missing. And none of these things can fill that void. Whatever it is, we'll come to it. Repentance always begins with some taste of despair and even a maybe a fresh glimpse of death. I spoke with someone uh, in the last couple weeks and uh, it was just interesting to hear their spiritual journey. And one of the things they said is they said, I spent the whole first half of my life just trying to um, not do the wrong thing. I lived anxiously. I was always trying to, um, uh, and I felt like faith was empty. And it was like suddenly I got hit with this understanding. Like I feel like God met me. And, and suddenly I was like my eyes are open. I'm like, hey, oh, my, half my life is over if I live a normal life. And I've been spending all this time just anxiously trying not to make mistakes. And suddenly God opened my eyes like, hey, I, I've given you your life as a gift. You didn't have to have this. And everything is a gift. And I want you to enjoy it. And I want you to go out there and do good. And I want you to go out there and, and flourish and they kind of had this total change in their view of life um, because they did have that sense of death and despair and they repented and, and had some, God met them. All the things that are maybe going on in your life right now, like that person I just talked about, God is trying to wake us up before that final moment. He wants us to uh, come to be fully alive on this earth uh, before we, our life's over. But for Jonah here, we need to understand there's no hope. He saw no hope, but here's the bottom line. There was hope because God was at work in the dark place with Jonah. He didn't put Jonah in a chamber of death. He put Jonah in a temporary hospital to heal his soul. And that's what God wants to do with you if you'll let him. Maybe you feel like Jonah today in a place of no hope, but maybe just like Jonah, God is beginning his greatest work in your life. And let's go back to verse 1 and 2. It says, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and He answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You should write this down. God answers His children's cries of distress. God answers our cry of distress even when we're guilty. See, Jonah is far from God. Jonah was not on the way to Nineveh. He's, he, he was uh, uh, in the water uh, when he went overboard, he's running from God. And yet God still heard him. Are you in trouble right now because of your disobedience? And you're wondering, is there any hope? Will God have mercy on me? The answer is yes. Are you crying out to God? Take heart from Jonah. Jonah cried out to God and God answered him. And in your distress, 
you can call for help and God will meet you in that place. So Jonah's journey back to God starts with a distress call, but in that dark place, he experiences deep change or deep transformation. God is using this time in the grave. It's like he, Jonah, Jonah died and rose again. And this can often be the spiritual life. We have these times of darkness and death, and God wants to let some things in our life that are, are unhelpful or uh, die, and he's going to give birth to new things in our life. And so look at what happens here. <clears throat> Jonah says, but you, Lord, my God, brought my life up from the pit. He's saying, I'm in the pit, but you, I didn't bring myself up. God, you brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I was the waters were overwhelming me. Jonah didn't think he was going to get saved. You need to understand that. When they threw him in the water, he thought it was game over. And God saved him. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. And here's what Jonah's beautiful realization is in this. That's one of the most important verses in the Bible, by the way. We'll come back to it. Uh, There's something greater than the deliverance from circumstances. It's the deliverance from sin. Sin brings death. Sin cuts us off from God. Sin cuts us off from life. And our circumstances, though uncomfortable they may be, that's not the real problem. And I want you to see what Jonah sees here. He's, he's, He's basically saying it's better to be close to God in the belly of the whale than to be Um, far from God, in the nicest place on earth, he's saying the real pit is where I'm apart from you, God. I don't want to cling to worthless idols and forfeit or turn away from your love. I realize your love is everything. One writer put it like this. I love this little uh, math formula. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Everything minus Jesus equals nothing. And basically, this is Jonah's great realization, which you see on the screen right now. He's like, I, I, I was going for everything. I, I had everything, but I was leaving God and I realized I was empty and I was bereft and I had no hope. And I realized with God, I have everything I need. And that's always the place God wants us to, is trying to bring us to. And Jonah makes one of the most important statements in the Bible. It's, it's a nutshell of the gospel. Let me read it to you again. Those who cling to worthless idols, I'll read the original NIV, forfeit the grace that could be theirs. When we cling to things that, uh, that, that we prioritize over God, we turn our back on, we forfeit the grace that could be ours. When we cling to things, worthless idols, and I'll, I'll con- con- uh, contrast that with something else in a minute. When we cling to things that we value over God, We turn away from the love that God has for us. So God's love is here. Our idols are here. And we cannot live in both places. We are turned toward one or we're turned toward the other. And Jonah's saying, the thing that I was made for are not these worthless idols. And I I would argue this is the the, um, key verse in Jonah. It's exactly if you break the verses down. It's um, 24 verses are before it and 23 verses come after it. It's right in the dead center of the book. And so the question you want to ask is, who is who's, um, Jonah talking about? Because there's two concepts in this verse, idolatry and grace or God's love. And idolatry makes us think of 
the sailors. The sailors were praying to their idols and everything else. Or the Ninevites, they, 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 there was idolatry. It's these, we, the, Jonah realized he had a narrow view of idolatry. And, um, but there's also God's love. Has said, and that word is only used covenant love. It's sticky love. It's it's the most frequent word for love in the Old Testament. We use agape in the New Testament. It's this relationship love. It's this I'm not going to quit on you love. We use all these heady words to describe it, but really it's that love you feel when you walk in a room and you see someone and they and they have that joy in their face. They're glad to see you, and you have this relational bond with them, attachment. That's this sticky love. This is said love. And God says, I will never leave you or forsake you. You're my family. You're my children. That's all this deep committed love. It's not like, oh yeah, I went to, I was in community with you this week or we were in family this week, but you got me mad because you said something about politics or something else. And so I'm, I quit you. That's, that's a shallow love. That's not said. said love says, we may disagree on things, but we're going to prioritize the real, our love relationship over and above any of the problems we have to sort out. My kids never had to worry about, am I going to quit on them or am I going to leave them because um, they, they liked something different than I liked or they had different political views than I had. Hey, no, we're family. We're always going to be family. I'm always going to love you. And uh, if, we're, if we disagree on things, we'll figure it out. And so there's this his said love and God used it specifically of his love for his children. It, it came to be known as covenant love, this committed in it forever love. And so that was never used about people far from God. And so one of the things you have here is Jonah is coming to this realization that I'm an, he's an idolater, which the Israelites never thought of themselves as, because I valued other things above God. And he valued his life, his identity. He valued his racial hatred and again, they, there was a lot of reason to hate the Ninevites. They were the most evil, sinful, corrupt people. They'd done heinous things, and they're going to do heinous things. Um, he valued all that more than God. Rather than saying, I'm going to go be obedient to God, and God will work out the justice and, and the mercy of whatever has to happen with the Ninevites. And what this verse tells us is Jonah realized that in pursuing all these other things, he was keeping himself. He was going to miss the one thing that he needed for life and fulfillment and for joy and peace. He needed his father, his heavenly father. I'm not going to cling to worthless idols. I'm going to, not going to turn away from the love of the father for me. And he turns back toward God. And it's beautiful. And um, this is the truth about all of us, right? We run from doing what God wants because we think we're going to miss something good. And as a result of all of our running, what we really can end up missing is the relationship we were made for that brings out everything good, our relationship with God. And so, how about you today? Where's your heart? And are you, re are you, are you connected to this deep love that God has for you that He wants you to experience? And are there idols and things that are keeping you from God? Jonah has a change in heart. He calls on God. And then he has this deep change, this deep uh, kind of soul change uh, where he's uh, transformed in, in the pit, in the dark place, in the dark night of the soul. And then three we see, and this is always the manifestation of a real change in an inner change, is there's an outer change. He has a new direction. Look at what it says he does. All expressive things. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, 
will sacrifice to you. So Jonah praises God. What are you praising God for? He, he's going to make sacrifices to God. He's going to give valuable things to show his love for God. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it regurgitated him. It vomited him on dry land. Remember, repentance always leads to regurgitation which leads to renewal in your life. So he's repenting. He goes through. He comes out of the dark place, often swimming in a lot of the soup that he's about to be cleansed from. And now he's moving in a, a revived and renewed direction in his life. Salvation belongs to the Lord. This is, again, another key verse. It's one of the key messages of the Bible because there's three kinds of people. There's irreligious people, there's religious people, and there's Christians. And irreligious people don't believe they need salvation. Salvation doesn't belong to anybody. Um, religious people uh, believe that salvation belongs to them. That I, I can make salvation happen for me because I know what to do. Christians understand that God, salvation belongs to the Lord. And they realize that God is good even when life isn't. And all of life is a gift from God. And my salvation, which means freedom, which means flourishing, that belongs to the Lord. And I'm receiving that with a gift, as a gift, with joy. And so think about it today. What has God done in your life if you're experiencing some renewal? And what are you praising God for? What are you grateful for today? Jonah praises God. He commits and makes a sacrifice to the Lord. Where is God calling you to make a sacrifice or to God, to God, to give something of value. We're told everything we have belongs to the Lord. We are merely managers. We're stewards. Where's God calling you to make a sacrifice um, and to give out of joy because God is good to you? And uh, Jonah promised to make good on his vows. Where is God inviting you to join him in his work, to bring others into a love relationship with him? Jonah's journey back to God as we wrap this up right here. Here's three things to, to, real, to recognize from what, Jonah, what we learn here in Jonah. Things that God teaches us. God answers his children's cries of distress. Are you crying out to God today? Is there something that where you're in distress and are you calling on the Lord? I encourage you to invite someone else to pray with you. And there's power in that. And the life, the second thing is the life we're looking for is not found in our circumstances, but found in God. And that's one of Jonah's other discoveries. That the thing, the, what I'm longing for is the love of God in my life. And I've been saved. I've experienced fresh salvation because I have not turned away from God's love for me, but I've turned toward it. And here's the last message, and this is really important. No matter what your circumstances, there is hope. God meets Jonah in a place of hopelessness and brings un, unforeseen, fresh hope. And whatever situation you're in, God can bring hope. And He will walk with you. Uh, uh, he'll be with you through it. And even if the circumstances don't change, He will be with you through it. And the truth is this, that when we belong to the Lord, we belong to the Lord forever. And so even if God doesn't deliver me from a circumstance on this earth, I'm going to be with God forever. And I'm going to experience that hope of heaven and life with Him no matter what happens. And I just want you to think about this. Jonah's personal revival here is going to lead to one of the largest revivals in history. Uh, 
there's going to be some amazing things that happen. But nothing can happen through Jonah until it first happens to Jonah. And God wants to bring revival and renewal in your life. And God gave him a second chance. And are you asking God for that revival and that renewal? Are you receiving that second chance from God? Because I wonder if God isn't calling some of us today to step out of our comfort zones and to go to the people we don't want to go to. And I want you to think, is God laying someone on your heart right now, even as we talk about this and as we pray? And as we talked about this fall, we're, we're trying to uh, follow God's heart in Jonah and we're trying to reach out to and love our community and invite people in our community to take a, a step closer to Christ and experience God's love. But I want you to think about this. One thing that God laid on my heart as I was preparing this. I can think of hundreds of people I know who were going to church and, tr- and following Christ before COVID. And many of them have never come back. And right now, maybe God's laying someone on your heart and you're like, well, yeah, I didn't put them on my frank list, friends, relatives, acquaintances, neighbors, coworkers that I'm praying for because they know the Lord. But guess what? You're, when you know the Lord, your job, God's goal, his will for you, you don't even have to guess, is to be in his family, to regularly be meeting with his church. The scripture says, do not give up meeting together. Many people have given up meeting together. And they're not thriving because they're not connected to the body. And if you can think of some of those people, I want you to, they matter. I want you to pray for them. I want you to think about who might God want me to invite this week. And as you think about that list of people we've been praying for, Alex introduced it last week, I want you to think about maybe there's some people who've been hurt and they're not going to church. And there's been a lot of that, right? A lot of hurt. Jonah goes from ignoring God to listening to God. And one of the ironies of this This chapter is, even though Jonah quit listening to God, God never quit listening to him. Because God always sees us. God always hears us. God always draws near to us as we invite him in. And so I want you to take some time. And I'm going to be praying for those people on my list. And would you pray for those people on your list? And then I want to encourage you to do this. Would you find, think of one person this week who you know is lonely and who's separated um, and reach out to them. And just ask how they're doing. Listening is one of the most underrated uh, activities of love that we possess. You can be a good listener and you can be someone who cares and sees people. And and one of the things that one noted psychologist has said is, uh, listening is so closely associated with love that it's hard to tell them apart. When you're listened well to, you feel loved well. And you and I, we can love somebody this week by listening to them. They may be lonely and inviting them in. And then going, God, I'm asking you to show up and move in their life in a powerful way. And then, and then leaving that to God and that work to God. Because none of us were made to do life alone. I want to pray right now. And I want to invite you. Maybe you're in that dark place. And you've turned away from God. Like Jonah, you're running from God. And God's speaking to you this morning. He's like, listen. I love you, and I'm calling you back to me. And maybe you're just tired of being in that empty and hopeless place, and I want to invite you to commit and say yes to God for the first time or recommit yourself to God. Would you, would you join me? Lord Jesus, I pray right now that you'd be stirring people's hearts even as we're praying here, and that, Lord, you'd be meeting each person who's hearing this right now 
And for those of us who are praying, we just say, Lord, forgive me. I, I know you have things that you have called me to do. There's words you've given me, instructions you've given me that I am not obeying. And I, I know, I feel that in my heart. And I'm just saying right now, forgive me. I'm sorry. I turned uh, toward uh, worthless idols rather than turning toward the God of worth and engaging in worship, which is what you call us to do. Worship is merely an expression of your worth from our hearts to you. And Lord, I'm asking you to forgive me and cleanse my life. I, I, I want to I release these worthless idols, and I pray that you give me strength and the power of your Holy Spirit to do that. I'm praying that you'd forgive me for my sins and cleanse me and give me a fresh start. And Lord, by your grace and by your power, I want to walk with you in obedience and join you, Lord. I want to walk closely with you and experience your love. And I want that love, this work you're, you're doing in me, to overflow through me and bless others around me. And help me, Lord, to be uh, your invitation to them, your love to them. Help me to pray, Lord, for my friends and, and those who are far from you. And help me to invite them in. But Lord, I'm just asking you, Lord, to receive me first. Cleanse me and help me to walk with you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you prayed with me, would you just message us? We want to help you take your next steps. And if you're watching online and you have the ability to be with us in person, I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you to come in person uh, these, the, this fall and join us again. God bless.